You're listening to Center Church Podcast. At Center Church, we strive to keep Jesus at the center of everything we do. You're about to hear a message from our pastor, Matthew Edwards. But before you do, we want to invite you to visit our website at centercharlotte.org. There you can sign up for our weekly emails and receive new content as we release it. Secondly, we want to invite you to visit our pastor's blog at matthewedwards.cc. And finally, if this podcast ministered to you in any way, go ahead and subscribe and you'll be the first to know when we release more content in the future. Thanks for listening in and be blessed. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity and for the door. And I confess to you before these people that in my weakness, your strength is made perfect. So I don't worry about how much I bring to the table because whatever I don't, you make up the difference. And you promised that when I would open my mouth wide that you would feel it, and I rest in that. And I thank you that they will hear the voice in the voice. And I thank you they'll be encouraged, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Whenever I'm getting ready to uh, bring a word, I, I'm seeking the Lord and asking him what, what. And it's usually out of where I'm studying, and I'm in 1 Corinthians, but I wasn't getting anything. And all of a sudden, this picture came before me. And there's a monument in Israel, in, uh, in, uh, right outside of Jerusalem. It's near the Holocaust Museum. And it's a monument with a scripture on it by Ezekiel. And the scripture is written inside of it. It's an open grave. And inside of it, uh, he says, I will open up your graves and bring you out. And I remember uh, when we first saw this monument, everybody was taking pictures, but you know me, I got to go in. And I went in and I stood inside this grave and it was so big and so tall, but the top was open because what did God prophesy through Ezekiel? I will open up your grave. And so there's no top on it. And you're looking up to heaven, but it's so high that unless God does something, you're stuck. You can't get out. And it's a picture of being in an utterly hopeless situation unless God intervenes. So I'm studying and I'm studying. I'm saying, God, what do you want me to bring to the people? And this picture of this monument kept coming to me. So I said, okay, we'll talk about the prophecy that God gave Ezekiel about the open grave. Now, Ezekiel was first a priest, and he was prophesying in in Israel, and he was part of the group that went to Babylon when the first temple was destroyed. So after he uh, is gone into captivity, then he becomes a prophet. Hey, love. Then he becomes a prophet. So he's a priest slash prophet. Before they go into captivity, obviously God is using him to try to warn the people, don't do what you're doing, you're making some mistakes, trying to change your ways and nobody's listening. But then when they get into captivity, when they're in a situation that they put themselves in, all of a sudden he becomes a prophet and he becomes a prophet of hope. Now, Ezekiel's name means God will strengthen or God will give you strength. And I love how God picks these names to let the people know, I'm going to give you whatever it is you don't have. God will give you strength. And so he's there, and he starts to prophesy. And it's really important. um, It's really important when you're in a situation and you don't have any hope what you hear. 
My suggestion is if you're in a bad situation, maybe turn the TV off. Maybe watch who's speaking into your life and put your eyes on something that won't change, something that's consistent, the Lord, his word. God is using Ezekiel um, before they go into captivity. And I love how he used to use the prophets because most of the time the people just really didn't listen, but he would give them visuals. For instance, he told Ezekiel one time, he said, I want you to pack a bag and in the middle of the day, go out with your luggage in front of the people and go somewhere where you don't live as if you're going into captivity. He says, and then in the morning, get up, bring your luggage back out and put something over your head as if you're in mourning. Go through a wall, cut out a place in the wall, take your luggage as if you're going out to a place where you don't know where you're going. Show the people what's getting ready to come. Nobody was listening. And so they go into captivity. Now, when they go into captivity, there are two prophecies that I want to focus on. And there's going to be around um, chapter 36 and chapter 37. And we're going to, the main one we're going to focus on is the Valley of Dry Bones. And you've heard it taught before. And by God's grace, maybe you'll see something different. But we're going to look at what he told them. And I'm going to show you how the people were feeling. They're in trouble now. They've been in captivity for a while. Uh, they were warned. They didn't listen. Been there before. Been there before. I've also been in a position where uh, I prayed, asked God for direction, moved, didn't really wait in prayer. Got myself in hot water, me and my husband, and then we go, but we, but we prayed. Probably should have prayed longer and then prayed again and then prayed longer. But did God ever fail us? No. And I'm gonna tell you why. In Jeremiah, Jeremiah says God, Jesus came to, well he's prophesying about the Messiah, and it said he came to show three things. To demonstrate his unfailing love, to execute justice, and to give righteousness. But what was the first thing he came to show? To demonstrate his unfailing love. His love will not fail you. I don't care what situation you're in. So, Ezekiel, uh, in 36, I believe it is, should be. Anyway, um, God is listening to the people, and they've been in captivity for a while, and Ezekiel's been trying to prophesy, and he's been trying to encourage them, and it's not really working. They're in this grave, and I'm, I have a picture of it at the end of the slides. They're in this situation they cannot get themselves out of, and they've been in it for a while. They've been in it for years, and they don't know what to do. And God says to Ezekiel, he says, there's a proverb. There's something that they keep saying over and over and over again. He said, and I've been listening. And they're saying that my prophecies, time has passed, and all the prophecies of good news have come to nothing. They don't see any fulfillment of my word. Have you ever been there? Have you ever had a promise from God and you've been believing and you've been believing and you don't see anything? And God said, I've been listening and they've been saying it so much, it's become a saying among them. Well, God's not fulfilling his promises and he's not fulfilling his prophecies. He said, but you tell them this is what I say. The time has come for every prophecy to be fulfilled. 
Now that's good news to us. Because when Ezekiel prophesies this, at this time, Jesus has not yet come. We are now on the other side of the cross. And all of God's promises are yes and amen. And every requirement for those promises has been met through Jesus. But even before Jesus comes, because God delights in showing mercy. He delights in showing mercy. He said, you tell them that now every one of my promises is being fulfilled. Well, this is what despair can do to you. They heard Ezekiel say the word from the Lord and they said, well, okay, okay, we'll give a little bit. God is fulfilling all of his promises, but it's gonna be in the distant future. It's not gonna be anytime soon. And God was listening. And that is also despair because if you need a miracle and you need it right now and you need it today or you needed it yesterday, saying it's in the distant future is despair. That is not helping you. And God says, you go back and tell them in no uncertain terms. He said, tell them I am saying no more delay. I heard what they said. Nothing else is delayed. Now, he's getting Ezekiel ready to prophesy directly to the people about being in a bad situation. But as he gets them ready, he begins to prophesy to the things around them. And there's a flow in the spirit. And we can look back, and if you can see it in the word, you can apply it to your life. You can apply it to your wallet. You can apply it to your bills. You can apply it to relationships. And he's getting Ezekiel ready to prophesy to the people, but first he wants to prophesy to the situations around him. They have left Israel. They have left Jerusalem. They're in captivity. Israel is torn down. The temple's torn down. The fields are deserted. Nothing is growing. There's no cattle. And on top of that, they're slaves. And God says, I want you to prophesy to the mountains in Israel. He's in Babylon. He says, I want you to prophesy because I'm going to take you home. And the first scripture I think we have is, he says in 36, but the mountains of Israel will produce heavy crops of fruit for my people, for they will be coming home again soon. And then as he goes on, he prophesies about all the fruits of the field and the cattle, but they'll be going home soon. And he gets them ready, and he gets them ready, and he has them prophesying. And he has them prophesying to the hills, and to the valleys, and to the ravines, and to the crops, and to the cattle. He says, I want you to go ahead and speak it. Because you see, um, I think Carl and I were talking about it. We have been listening to Joseph Prince, and he quoted a scripture from Psalm 66. And it goes something like, the enemy went over my head, and, and I went through this, and I went through that. But God, you brought me out into a wealthy place. And this is what has happened to Israel. The enemy has gone over their head, but God is going to bring them out. And he's going to bring them out into a wealthy place, a place of abundance. And so he says, Ezekiel started to prophesy because I'm going to bring them home. And when I bring them home, I want everything in place. 
And when God restores, you gotta remember, he always gives you back more than what was stolen or taken or what you lost. He always makes it more. He always makes it better. So he says, prophesy to the mountains. Now, there's something else that God has to do because Israel at this point is very law-minded, which is probably why they broke so many of them. The strength of, the, of sin is the law. The more you try to keep a list of rules to impress God, the worse it gets for you. And so they have this law mentality. We messed up. And that's why we're here. But God delights in showing mercy and grace. And so what he's got to do is remove their mentality of condemnation. I've seen condemnation stop more people in their tracks because they feel unworthy. And to me, it's hard for me now that I'm a student of grace. I'm like, but we never were worthy. What did we ever do to qualify for anything from God? It's always been his mercy. It's always been Jesus. But these people are under uh, heavy condemnation. They're in this situation, they're in this open grave, and they're thinking, well, we deserve to be here. Why would we really expect God to do anything different? So God has to remove this mentality of condemnation. And so in 36.22, this is what he says. He says, therefore, give the people of Israel this message from the sovereign Lord. I am bringing you back, but not because you deserve it. I'm doing it to protect my holy name on which you brought shame while you were scattered among the nations. Why is he doing it? Because they prayed all day? Because they fasted? Because they watched their words? Because they got on their face? Why is he doing it? He said, I'm doing it to protect my name and I need you to understand not because you deserve it. It's going to be a gift. When somebody gives you something and you don't deserve it, it is a gift. So he's starting to remove from them their mentality of performance. Now if you go to, he says it again in 36, 32. He's going to tell them a couple of times because why in the mouth of two or more witnesses let every matter be established. He wants them to understand what I'm getting ready to do for you to take you back home and give everything back to you plus you didn't earn from me. It was the bigness of my heart and my love for you that's going to give back to you everything you lost. So he says, remember, says the sovereign Lord, I am not doing this because you deserve it. Oh, my people of Israel, you should be utterly ashamed of all you've done. This is what the sovereign Lord says. When I cleanse you from your sins, I will repopulate your cities and ruins will be rebuilt. What's he saying? I'm not even expecting you, nor could you get yourself right. I'm doing this even though you don't deserve it. And I am assuming full responsibility to cause you to qualify. And it's a type and shadow of Jesus Christ. I will cleanse you. You don't deserve it. You can't deserve it. You can't earn it. 
but I'm going to do the work. You know, I was watching, I'm also a student now of Jonathan Kahn, and one of his things was he was teaching on the scripture, we are his poem, we are his workmanship. And it's the same word in the Greek for workmanship as poem. And he says, when has a poem ever written itself? Who writes the poem? The writer. We're the poem, we are being written by the Lord. We're his workmanship. When something is created, did it create itself? No. It's the Lord doing it in us. We assume no responsibility. We just go with the flow. We let him do day by day what he needs to do in us. He said, I will cleanse you even though you don't deserve it. This is me doing this for you. And he is the only one that can and ever will get the glory. He says, I will cleanse you of all your sins. When you go back, if you ever have the time to study, and Ezekiel's always, well, I love all the prophets. Ezekiel, obviously, one of my favorite. But when he talks about the degree of restoration, when you read it, he says, I will make your wasteland. And wasteland, back when Israel, right after they, before they became a nation, it was all swamp in 40, 48. It had become all swamp. They said the mosquitoes were so thick and there were no crops or anything. So you can imagine what it must have been like in Ezekiel's time. And God said, I will make your wasteland like the Garden of Eden. What's he saying? Whatever your personal wasteland is, I don't know what it is. I can only imagine. I know we have things we're believing for. But he said, whatever your wasteland is, there is nothing growing. It looks bad. He said, by the time I'm finished, it will look like the Garden of Eden. Can you only imagine? Promise from God. Before Christ, he promised that to them. Before Christ, what can you believe for now? What can you expect now? Your wasteland is just an opportunity for the Lord. So he reminds them, I will cleanse you. And remember, it's not because you deserve it. Now, after he's gotten rid of the performance mentality, and he's told them, you didn't earn it, you can't deserve it, and by the way, I'm cleansing you. Now he says something really interesting. And go to the next one, Carmen. He says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am ready to hear Israel's prayers and to increase their numbers like flocks. Once they have understood that it's by his grace that you get anything, once he's made that clear, he says, now I'm ready to hear your prayers. They will be as numerous as the scattered flock, as the sacred flocks that fill Jerusalem streets at the time of her festivals. The ruined cities will be crowded with people once more, and everyone will know that I'm the Lord. And I'll tell you why. Once he gets rid of that, I didn't do this, and I didn't do that, and I didn't do this, and I didn't do that. Once he gets rid of all that junk. So what if you did? Does that qualify you? Once he gets rid of all of that junk, and then he lets you know, I have cleaned you up. I'm doing this, and it's a daily thing. 
you're my workmanship, you're my poem, I'm writing you every day. Once he helps, gets your thinking right, he says, now I'm ready to hear your prayers. Because it'll be a prayer of not coming to him with a performance mentality. It'll be a prayer just, I'm yours. And you have qualified me by your son. He tells Israel, he says, now I'm ready to hear your prayers. And he begins to prophesy increase. Now I wasn't there obviously during Ezekiel's time. And I wasn't there in 48 when Israel became a nation. But I'm a history student and there was very little when they came back. But I've been in Israel now. And there are parts where you walk and it is so crowded, you hold on, hopefully hold on to somebody you know. Hold on to your bags, hold on for dear life. It can get so crowded. I think it was Stephen said, um, it's right at the foot of the Via Della Rosa. It's so many people. It's a line going this way. It's a line going this way. It's a line going that way. People from all over the world. I mean, packed. And Stephen often said, this is, must have been where the woman touched the hem of his garment because he, it was no way Jesus could have known who it was. But it's a picture of, he said, I will fill your streets as if it was a time of festival. And he has Ezekiel say this when there's nobody hardly there at all. Nobody, nothing, nothing. Growing, temple been destroyed, but he prophesies abundance. And I've seen it. I've seen it. Once he gets rid of their mentality of performance, he says, I'm ready to hear your prayers. Now, he had a beautiful in chapter 12 prophecy, no more delay on, your, on your, the promises and the prophecies. Now he's ready to prophesy to the people directly. And this is the prophecy of the Valley of Dry Bones. And when he looks out, he, he looks out in the spirit and he shows Ezekiel this field and bones are scattered everywhere. And they're all dried up. The Bible tells us they're all dried up. They're not even connected. Um, I've seen that. We were in uh, Rwanda. And it was after the genocide and 800,000 people were slaughtered. And so what they did was they collected the bones in the churches and the fields. And they have them in the bottom of these churches. And in one box is arms, another box skulls, another box legs. And I walked until I couldn't take it anymore. And these bones have been there for years now. I think the genocide took place in 1994. So they've been there since 1994. And to look at those bones and believe that they could come together again, can you imagine? So he takes Ezekiel, he takes him out, and he shows him this field, and bones are scattered everywhere. Nothing's connected, they're all dried up. No flesh, nothing, just a memory. And he asked Ezekiel a question, and if you're sure, Carmen. Then he asked me, he says, son of man, can these bones become living people again? And oh, sovereign Lord, I replied, 
You alone know the answer to that. Sometimes you can be in such a situation and the Lord will say, can I fix it? You want to believe. But I've actually had situations where I thought, I don't know. I don't know. And the Lord doesn't stop there. He says in his word, even if you believe not, yet I abide faithful. I cannot deny myself. So if you have those places where you can't even muster up enough faith to believe for the next step, he said, I'm faithful. I'm faithful. I'm faithful. And Ezekiel's not sure because what he's looking at, he's never seen it done before. And he says, Lord, only you know the answer to that. And does the Lord throw him away and say, you're not a good prophet. I need somebody with a little bit more faith. What's wrong with you? No. He says, Ezekiel, I'm going to show you how this works. And I'm going to let you be a part of it because of my grace. I'm going to use you anyway. Ezekiel, you're going to be a part of this miracle. Next scripture. He says to him, speak a prophetic message to these bones and say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. And he allows the one who didn't even measure up with the right answer to be a part of it. And what does he tell him to do? Speak. Speak. Speak to your situation. Speak to your body. Speak to your wallet. Speak to the relationships that have been severed. Speak to your boss. Maybe you don't have to do it directly. Go in the closet. Speak to the situation. Speak to your future. Frame it. Speak what you need to see. Not what you see, what you need to see. Next verse, Carmen. He says, I will put flesh and muscles on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you and you will come to life and then you will know that I am the Lord. Next one, Carmen. So I spoke this message just as he told me and suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley and the bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. And what's the key here? You can rest assured. You can rest assured because of the authority that Jesus has imparted to you and because the Spirit of God that lives in you that as you speak, bones are coming together. Whatever the situation is, whatever it is, he said suddenly, God doesn't even wait. Suddenly, as I spoke, he said, I heard a noise. I heard a noise. Keep going, Carmen. Go back, go back. When you study this out, by the time God gets through restoring this valley of dry bones, 
He says, a great army was standing before me. One minute there was nothing, and then the next minute I was looking at an army ready to go to war. That's the degree to which God restores. Oh my God, that's the degree. Now, this prophecy was for the people of Israel. And he has to explain this to Ezekiel because Ezekiel's doing this and he's doing that and I'm not sure he understood everything he was doing. And when I think about this prophecy, I think a lot about the Holocaust. Even as a young girl, I had a, a heart for the Lord and I was always interested in the Jewish nation, didn't know why. And when I started to read as a young girl about the Holocaust, it was just, I couldn't even imagine six million Jews, and no, that's an estimate, it could have been more, was slaughtered. And can you imagine these people, uh, the Jewish people in the concentration camps, and that's a, a desire of mine to go to Poland and, and different places around Germany to actually see where, I, it's just something I want to see. Um, can you imagine the things that they went through? It looks like all hope is gone. All hope is gone. But God. But God. So he has to explain to Ezekiel. This prophecy that I just gave you about the Valley of Dry Bones is for the people. Carmen, go ahead. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying we have become old. Dry bones, all hope is gone. Our nation is finished. Therefore prophesy to them and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Oh, my people, I will open your graves of exile and cause you to rise again. And then I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Show the slides. He says, this is the picture. This is a picture of the, the scrolls of fire. It's a monument to, the, to Ezekiel's prophecy. I will open up your graves and bring you back again. On the one side, you can go in and it's in English. And then on the other side, you go in and it's in Hebrew. I went in both. And when you go in, it's very dark. And it's, it's round and it's very dark. And all you can do is look up. And it's almost like, um, have you ever looked down into a deep well? It's like being at the bottom of a well is really what it's like. I don't know if this really shows you how tall it is. And the walls are slippery. You can't climb out of this thing. You can't dig your way out. The only way you would get out is if God gets you out. Show the next one. I think I have three. And this is it from the side. And it shows the Jewish people and carrying the menorah and the soldiers and the battle to continue the nation. And then I think I have one more. And then these are the scriptures. I think this is in Hebrew, the side where it's in Hebrew. They had nothing to hold on to but the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord was enough to bring them out. It was enough power in the word of God to bring them out and to restore them to their land. He did it in Ezekiel's day. He did it after Holocaust. 
He did it after the six-day war, even now when you go into the old city in Jerusalem. And that was a supernatural thing where they were surrounded by countries and they didn't have control of Jerusalem. And God gave them the victory. You can still see the, bullet, the bullets in the, uh, the walls where they fought to get the Jerusalem back. But this is a picture of being in a situation where you cannot get yourself out. And maybe you're the reason you got yourself in. I don't know. That's not an issue for God. He has to remove from you the performance mentality. And he has to let you know, I'm going to do this even though you don't deserve it. And I will be the ones that cleanse you. That's what his son was all about. Coming and paying the price that we couldn't pay. Even though we didn't deserve it. And once he removes that performance mentality, he's faithful to himself and to his word and to us. And he says to us, just like he told Ezekiel to prophesy to them, he said, I will open up your graves and I will bring you out. Whatever situation it is, whether you got a little bit of hope or none, whether you're looking at a valley and no bones, they're all dried up and nothing is connected anymore. He said, by the time I'm finished, it'll be a great army. He said, if you got a situation where you're looking at a wasteland and nothing is growing and everything has died, he said, did you know by the time I am finished, it will look like the Garden of Eden for you? Romans says, he who spared not his own son, but gave him up for us all, how shall he not also with him freely, freely, freely give us all things? He said, I didn't hold my son back. I did this for Israel before he even came. How much more am I willing to do for you? So there is no situation that you could tell me about today or I could present to you that God will not open up that grave. He will not open up that place where I don't have hope and bring me out. Not one. He's faithful. He's faithful to his faithfulness to what Jesus has done and how much more now We've become sons and daughters. Father, I thank you. I thank you. It doesn't matter if our hope is gone because you are hope enough. And you're committed to us. We are your poem, we are your workmanship. And you're bringing us to that place where we will rest at every opportunity because you have never failed us, and nor could you. I prophesy over situations in this room, represented in this room today, where it looks like a valley of dry bones. And I say, by the time you're finished, you will re have restored life and wholeness. And whatever wasteland that they find themselves in or they look at, oh, Father,
by the finished work of Jesus, for them it will become a Garden of Eden, a testimony to your love and your faithfulness for them. We bless you. We bless you. You told us that you will always give us the victory in Christ Jesus. We can rest in that. You are not a man that you should lie. It's impossible for you to do that. I thank you in 2019, they'll see everything restored, even in greater measure. Children come home. Lost relatives come home. Finances come to the degree that we are able to abound to every good work. You're doing that for us in this room. And we'll all be fighting for the microphone to give testimonies of your faithfulness. There's nobody like you. And there's no love like yours. And I don't have to perform. I just have to receive your love. And just like Ezekiel's name means God will give me strength, your love is all the strength I need. I bless you, Father, and I bless your Son. What an honor to be called yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Center Church Podcast. We trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to receive more of our content in the future, you can email us at centercharlotte at gmail.com or just visit our website at centercharlotte.org. Thanks for tuning in and may God's grace cover you in every area of your life.